All right, here we go. Welcome to this episode of Bevon. I'm Leonard, and I'm here today with Tyler Thurman, the Research and Development Manager of Highland Park Brewery. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I see you're outdoors. Uh, is it a little chilly outside, or uh, is it okay? Is it warming up? It's it's getting warmer. It's uh, The sun was out for a second, but disappeared again. <laughs> so how long have you been with uh, Highland Park? Um, nearly five years now, or I guess five years in October, I think. And, uh, almost... and Highland Park was established in 2014? I believe so. Yeah. That sounds about. And you, cause you guys just had your ninth anniversary. Uh, you had a bunch of ninth anniversary releases. At yeah. The, yeah. At yeah. The that math yeah. checks out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, are you guys planning like a big 10 year thing for next year? You know, I don't know. We probably should. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a pretty we significant. Just got, got through nine. So we've got a little ways to go. But, yeah. Have like a yeah. big, uh, have a big, big, uh, big shindig. We probably will. We probably need to. So, so tell me a little about a little bit about the history of Highland Park Brewery. Okay, yeah, uh, it was started in uh, uh, Bob and Tiff are the the owners of Highland Park. Uh, Bob, is a fascinating guy. He's got lots of background in cocktails and beer and home brewing and brewing. But anyways, he had been looking, I think he had been looking to start a brewery for a while. And then um, he was having drinks at the Hermosillo, which is where I'm at right now. Um, and Ross, the owner here, was like, well, we've got this tiny space in the back. Would you want to try and fit something in there? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And Bob pretty much built everything in the brewery by hand and uh, on a very low budget and instantly started just cranking out fantastic beer. And then about four years later, we opened up um, uh, our Chinatown location, which is a much bigger, like legit production facility and tap room. And uh, I started not long after that opened. And, and does the the Hermosillo location is that still open to the public as a as a as a venue or no? So yeah, so the Hermosillo is uh, a amazing beer bar, uh, and then the, the Highland Park part of it is in the back um, area, and they're they're two separate companies, but obviously we're very intertwined. Um, but yeah, the Hermosillo is about to open right now. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's an yes. awesome beer bar. Yeah, yeah. No, of course I've been there a few times. Yeah. Um, the new, uh, the LA location's probably about maybe 12 minutes from my house, though. So that's the, uh, and I was oh, just, nice. uh, yeah, I was just there uh, a couple of days ago, too, to have some dinner with my kids and picked up uh, some beers. I do have this uh, Timbo Pills here that I'm going oh, to nice. crack open. Are, are you are you drinking? Uh, do you, are you doing some day drinking? I, I figured I probably had to. Oh, if there I was on you podcast. go. <laughs> what I, do, you, uh, do you have there? I have also have Timbo. It's brewed here, though. That I'm. That's what I'm kegging today, actually. Oh boy! I, you know, I pop that can. You get just uh, that big whiff of the hops. Uh, just immediately, just kind of jump out at you. 
Now, now, how important is glassware to beer? Do you think? I'm, I'm, I've just uh, I just completed my uh, Cicerone beer server uh, exam certification. Oh, congrats! congrats. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and I'm a home brewer. You know, obviously, I'm a little bit beyond uh, just kind of the hobby phase of of craft beer. And so we're, we're yeah. reading about these different glasses and and cleaning glassware, so, so that's beer clean. How important do you think that is to the overall experience? You know, it's so funny when I, especially when I was really getting into it and homebrewing, I like, you know, I had different glasses for every beer and I, I think it definitely is important. It makes a difference. Um, but I also just don't care as much anymore. I, think. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm fine drinking out of a can these days, but, uh, I, I think as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, then that's all that matters. I don't think it, it definitely improves the, you know, like when we're, when I'm sampling stuff, I want to have it in a good glass. So like get, you know, the aroma, the flavor, all that, but I'm, I'm less uh, stringent on my, my glassware these days. <laughs> you don't lean not like the beer snob uh, as, as you used to be or what? <laughs> Yeah, the the beer snob has kind of faded away. <laughs> uh, are you are like I? You know, we do we we drink beers on the show and when we record and uh, and we got the PBW at the house to make sure the the glasses are cleaned appropriately. Are you nice. doing that? Are you doing beer clean glasses at the house? Be honest. Oh no! I mean, <laughs> if, if it's. <laughs> If it comes out of the dishwasher, it's clean enough for me. Uh, so you got you got the like the the bubble sticking to the side of the glass, and you just say, yeah, <laughs> "Or I'm just like it's already in a drinking vessel. It's a can. I can just drink out of that." <laughs> but but if it is like something special or from a a good brewery, I know then I will you know make sure it's clean. But <laughs> I'm not not a stickler. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to do a virtual cheers to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Cheers. Now, is this supposed? Should this be? So is this? This is technically a a India Pale Lager. Is that the category that uh, it won? For, we uh, it won gold. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was. We we call it a West Coast Pilsner. Um, I feel like there's kind of a the IPLs, you know, a few years ago, I don't think we're quite, no one quite knew what they were doing to differentiate it from a, like an IPA or from like a Pilsner. And there's kind of, I feel like there's like a stigma to that title. Um, but it essentially is a IPL. Yeah. You, th you think, what do you think the advantages or disadvantages of, of doing like hardcore categorizations of beer? Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting thing. Cause like uh, for judging and contests, you need rules. You need uh, uh, like a something that to judge it by, because you know, even an IPA, there's so many different variations of it. So many different styles of IPA you need to have, these rules so that you can be like well this fits this category this is the best in this category but on the other hand especially my my job i don't like categories i don't i don't care <laughs> what you call it i just want it to taste the best it can taste uh, so it, yeah it's a it's a tricky balance and but also titles 
help people understand what they're getting, if, especially if they're not super familiar with a brewery or a style, these titles. And I think that's why we have a million different versions of IPAs because IPAs become like a, 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 a recognizable thing that people are drawn to. Um, so it, it, it's a tough one to like, you don't want to just make super classic style. At least I don't. Some people do. I like to, I like to, you know, veer off in different directions, but it, it is important to let the customer know what they're getting as quickly as possible. So, so tell us a little bit about your, your beginnings in craft brewery. You, you're a home brewer. It sounds like. I see. Yeah, I started home brewing, um, started, uh, Big help for me was I joined a homebrew club. Okay. Uh, shout out to the Yeast Side Brewers. Um, that was really helpful in in getting pointers and tips on what was right about my beer, what was wrong, uh, and yeah. I, so I did that for many years. I started. I think I did a couple uh, like extract brews mm-hmm. in the kitchen. And after the first boil over, my wife was like, nope, get out. <laughs> so uh, then I think I went to um, brew in a bag. Okay. And uh, that was a very, I had such a weird setup. I basically put a ladder over the kettle mm-hmm. with a, a broom a handle pulley. through it oh, uh-huh. to make a, a pulley. Uh, wasn't the most efficient. I mean, it got the job done, but it wasn't very pretty. And then I wasn't loving brew in a bag so then i switched to all green and so i was doing that for years so i was prior to this life i was a civil engineer for about <laughs> nine years and i just was not loving it and got more and more obsessed with brewing and beer and i was like i gotta i gotta do this i gotta try and try and do this um so then i made the jump uh and i First got an internship at Angel City Brewery, not too far from uh, our Chinatown location. And they have a, I don't know if they're still doing it. I, I should ask them. Uh, the internship that I did was great. It was a four month program that they, the intention wasn't to hire someone at the end. It was just to give them the experience, give them a foot in the door, and then, which would make it much easier to uh, get a job afterwards and for me it was really hard to get my foot in the door because people saw my resume as an engineer you know like i had i was making good money and yeah it was a desk job so they're like this guy's not gonna last a week right. uh, so i i applied to so many places and just got no response for the most part and really and, but, and when, like yeah. you're, you're playing for like entry level like what, what kind of position yeah you're first anything playing for? And, any, anything you know keg washer seller any really uh bartender even and i just could not break through and so when so what, and, type, what were some of the earlier beers you were brewing when you were doing your home brewing uh i think the first brew i did was a pale ale and it was awesome and i was oh, like did. oh i'm i'm so great at this and then you know the next five were terrible <laughs> just absolute i probably should have dumped them but of course i was like i made it i'm gonna drink it yeah um and i got really into saisons and i think that's that was the 
best way for me to improve is kind of sticking to something. And, you know, as a home brewer, it was so hard for me to like brew a recipe over and over again, because it's like, I can do anything as a home brewer. It's, you know, there's meal and distant malts and yeasts and hops. There's so many things you can do. I want to do everything, but my wife really liked the Saison that I made. So I was like, Oh, I'll do it again. And second time I made it, I was like, Oh, this is better. Cause I did this. And then I started kind of tweaking that. And I th- think that was really helpful to just stick to one thing for a while. And we're using, we're using adjuncts like a fruit additions. Uh, not much. It's funny. That's, I do a lot of that now, but I wasn't doing a ton of adjuncts. I, the only variance I would do is maybe some honey or uh, like dry hop to Saison. Okay. Were you ever doing like a comp- like beer competitions for like homebrewers? I only did one and um, I got silver medal though. So, and it was oh, for nice. a, a, it was a, <laughs> a sour beer that I brewed with my buddy who's now also a phenomenal brewer in Colorado. I don't know if you've heard of Amalgam. Yes. Um, yeah, he's one half of Amalgam. He's the brewer of Amalgam. And uh, we brewed that together. And that <laughs> weirdly was the only thing I ever submitted. I was never uh, like focused enough to like have a beer ready for a category to submit it'd be like oh i just drank my last bottle this would have been perfect but that that one i got in okay and so one competition hey you're one for one bet you're betting a thousand yeah. for yeah. home brewing competitions like, i'm done after that i don't need to yeah you like mike you mic dropped it you said hey got silver I'm, yep. I'm i'm good to go yeah so when you first started drinking craft beer what, what were you drinking i was it was funny for a long and i uh grew up and went to college in Colorado, which has an insane yeah. craft beer scene even back then. Uh, but I was, I never like paid really much attention to it. I, I would always just get something that wasn't, you know, Budweiser or Coors. So, and funny enough, I thought I didn't like hops, which is such a hilarious thing to think now. Um, but what really, I think, Flip the switch is we went um, with a couple of couples to Napa and we toured some wineries and went to some breweries. And the last place we went was Russian River. Yeah. And I got the flight that's like 16 beers or something. Yep. Amazing. And it straight up blew my mind. I was like, I've never experienced beer like this before. And it, it literally, the light switch was like, okay, this is something I need to pay attention to now. And that, that was like what kicked it off. Yeah. And Russian river, Russian river does that right. I mean, you, you know, and I was there maybe a few months ago and you can get, you're right. You get that flight with every beer on tap for like 25 bucks. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you re- you really run the spectrum of styles and colors and 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 flavor profiles. I mean, you get a taste of everything that there is in beer, pretty much. Yeah, uh, and, and you get these little sampler tasters, and you can get it. You can get one and share it with friends, and just try try different things. And and you're gonna find something on that on that that you enjoy a lot, or or more than one if you're like me. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that was the thing is I had never had sour beer before. I weirdly had this thing thinking I didn't like hoppy beer and like, you know, almost every beer is like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Why haven't I tasted this before? And it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta start digging into this. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do for Highland Park. So I started not long after we opened Chinatown and I was uh, one of the brewers or I guess I was, there wasn't many of us back then, but I was brewing in Chinatown and uh, Grant was running the brewery here at the Hermosillo and he, not too long after I started, he got an opportunity to go brew in Japan and he and he did um so i was offered the position here and which was like a dream to me because i remember when the, the brewery here opened i went on a tour with the homebrew club and i was like this place is awesome um so then i was lead brewer for a few years and then the pandemic hit and we basically just had to ca- uh, can everything we kegging didn't make sense. So brewing at the Hermosillo didn't make sense. So I kind of made my way back over to Chinatown and we had been talking about it for a long time that we wanted to focus more on R and D and, and kind of really picking out things that we like and, and uh, finding new methods and stuff. And so the opportunity arose where it's like, well, I'm not really, able to brew here anymore maybe that's a new direction and so for the past couple of years i've been the r&t manager and it was great especially during the pandemic where we weren't doing a whole lot i really got to just go crazy on adjuncts and figure out how this works and if you steep it at this temperature versus steeping at that temperature or a time length that sort of stuff really like made a big difference on now what I do here. So um, you, you sent me some information about, you know, uh, what you do. So, and, and you're talking about adjuncts, any, any, what's the oddest adjunct you've worked with at Highland Park? There's been a couple, probably the oddest. I was struggling to think of it. Um, and then it popped to me today. Uh, Josh, who are, is our head brewer at uh, Chinatown years ago, we brewed a beer here together and we used, it was a stout with black garlic. Ah. And that was a trip. It was really cool. Did not sell that great, but it was actually a pretty awesome beer. It just was pretty weird. Never think to have garlic, let alone black garlic in a, in a beer. And what was the process? And where, where, at what points were you adding garlic to the beer? That's a. I actually don't remember. I think we would we add, probably added it in the boil. Okay. I'll have to look back at that recipe. It's been it's been a couple of years, but that that was that was an odd one. And it was just it was just the black garlic. There was nothing else added to kind of offset the uh, the flavor of that. No, I think we, it was like a relatively <laughs> sweeter Lactose, stout. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, I don't think we did lactose, but yeah, I think we designed it to be a little sweeter. It, it kind of worked. I mean, for what it was, it was, it was, I'm pretty stoked how it turned out, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a beer for the adventurous. Uh, I always tell people, you know, when I do the interviews, uh, I want to do a durian uh, beer. You know, durian's the the fruit that smells. Suppose it, supposedly, I've never even interacted with it, but you see all the the reels uh, online where it's supposed to smell like rotting flesh, even though it's supposed to taste yeah. sweet. I want I want to do like a, a durian beer for like a Halloween, maybe might might be yeah. an appropriate time, or or maybe even for like April's full. I know Drucker was doing their Fuller's ball. Good. Like to, like have a durian beer for uh, for April Fools. You know what's so funny is uh, one of the puree companies that I uh-huh. work with uh-huh. for on April Fools sent an email saying our newest puree is durian. Oh, see, like <laughs> got a great rotting flesh aroma. Like it, I'll I'll have to send you the email. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want. I want to try it just because I, I know the smell is going to be off-putting, but it's supposed to be a pretty tasty fruit. So, I I, I, I would like to play with the contrast of get you know popping the can and or the bottle for my for my purposes and getting the aromas of that that uh, pungent yeah. off-putting smell, but then tasting it and having a pretty pretty tasty beer. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way you could uh, like add it to the beer and then low co2 so that like some of the aroma blows off so it's not too pungent but then you still get that flavor that that could be cool <laughs> could well, the, be other, terrible, well, the, the other thing is realistically how long does the smell last you know is that something where you just yeah. wait out it kind of it kind of mellows out i mean it really varies on different products but i don't know i've never i've I, uh, never <laughs> experienced it because it sounds terrible but i am curious <laughs> uh and the other one why why does it seem that everyone uses guava for their beers guava's got to be the most used fruit i see in the beers that we have or or uh, i see on the shelves i think well, that's a good question actually i think probably because it's well known and it is very it's a very distinct flavor and it's very pleasing flavor and I think it it just is easy to add or easy to incorporate into a beer. And maybe maybe a little goes a long way too, because it, it could be it could be overpowering with the taste and the smell. Oh, for sure, yeah. It, if you pop a beer and it has multiple fruits in it, and you and guava is one of the fruit that that will come to the forefront. Yeah, uh, in both yeah. the uh, taste and the aroma. Yeah, that, it is. It is tricky if you're trying to pair it with other stuff. That's always a tricky thing is, is if you're using, you know, a couple different fruits, how to make sure nothing gets overpowered or nothing blocks everything else. Yeah. So what, what is, what, so what is your, your thought process with, when you start to thinking about adjuncting a beer uh, and you start out with, Hey, this is what I want it to taste and kind of work backwards to, to get to that part, to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a huge spreadsheet of every adjunct I've ever used. And even before my time, I kind of went through all the recipes and got, you know, how much, what temperature, how long, how much, and then kind of also wrote, I write notes to myself, like, do this much, it was way too much. You know, I 
put ghost pepper in this beer and it uh, hurt too much. Um, <laughs> uh, and, but, and I, and now that I have this big log, if I'm starting with something I've never worked with before, I'm like, okay, what, how is this similar to something else I've done? And sometimes there isn't anything. And I would just put it in a beer and see, you know, let it sit for a day and taste it and be like, okay, that's too much or too little. And then I just kind of go from there. And that's the nice thing about working at a brewery where there's lots of beer is I can just play with stuff. It's a little harder with the homebrew. I guess you could, I homebrewing, I'd probably just try and use, buy a beer and then soak it and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I make a lot of little samples. Like so whenever you, I'm at the brewery say, and I make a sample, everyone's like, what's that? Do you, do you start with like, so you're saying you start with the base and then you just start adding um, uh, proportions of whatever the adjunct is and then you let it sit and then you try it and then you add a little bit more or you try another yeah. another uh, base and add a little bit less and see where it is if, if you're hitting the mark that you want? Yeah, uh, it's a lot of uh, just putting it in the beer and either leaving it at room temperature or in our cooler because some stuff does better vice versa and then uh yeah just a real small amount or if it's uh something like an extract or a liquid or something i'll just dose it weigh in how much i put in and then weigh in a lot of times i'll dose in uh basically make a hundred milliliter sample of something so i'll add whatever i'm adding and then top it up to a hundred milliliters of beer and then taste it. So that way I, I have like the math to be able to scale it up. Although I've found scaling it up sometimes is a little, if I scale it up, I usually knock it down a little bit because for whatever reason, it's always seems to be a little stronger than my trial. Now, how does that work when you're going to look at adding adjuncts to like the boil or, 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 um, or the bright tank or post fermentation. I mean, how you know you're it, in, in that respect, you're not looking at taking a, a finished base beer because then it's kind of the, the, the I guess the chemistry probably is a little bit different, right? Yeah. So, like, if I was adding something to a boil, I'd probably make just like a like a malt tea, almost add some malt to some water, boil it, um, add it, and then cool it and see how that works. Um, and a, lo a lot of times you have to just look at the adjunct and see like, do I really want flavor from it? Do I want aroma? Do I want both? Because if you add something to a boil, especially if there's a lot of sugar in it, like say honey, if you add it to the boil, it, that will blow off a lot of the flavor. And then uh, when you ferment it, it will just ferment out and you're left with like, where'd that go? Uh, so I don't do a ton of stuff in the boil, but when I do, it's, yeah, I'll usually make like a tea or something. So I, I'm going to ask this next question kind of for selfish purposes, because I just brewed a uh, coffee milk stout. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you use, utilize coffee with beer? 
I, I was reading a bunch of things online about, you know, do you do it in the boil? Do you do it um, uh, like kind of a dry beaning process or do you use uh, like a cold brew uh, prior to bottling? How, how, how is Highland Park utilizing coffee or, or you making use of coffee throughout the process? Um, I just steep it for about uh, just whole beans, freshly roasted. So we always use uh, Tristero. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Greg from Tristero's coffee is so awesome. Um, that's what I have for breakfast every morning. Um, yeah, so he'll I'll usually get with him and we'll talk about what beans he thinks would match what profile we're going for. And then he'll roast them. And the next day I will steep them in a keg for about 24 hours, just out in the open, warm and then send it off the off the beans into the the beer and usually i'll do uh it'll be like a con so we i use brinks a lot they're basically kegs with valves attached so that i can get in and out of them easily and so i'll basically make a really concentrated version of that um and this is helpful too if with coffee, we've done enough that I know like this amount for this long. Right. Um, but with doing it that way, making like a concentrated version, especially if it's something new, I will just make it really strong and then um, kind of dose it in with the, the rest of the beer and kind of taste how much I want to add to see if like we add the whole brink or if maybe we only need half of it. Uh, that's a really good way to like fine tune, really nail what uh, flavor you're going for. But yeah, coffee. We just uh, I know a lot of people um, do ground coffee and then recirculate for a while, but we've found we get really good results. Uh, just whole bean and let it sit warm uh, for about 24 hours, and it turns out great. Now, when you're doing a, um, a coffee stout, for example, um, mm-hmm. are you trying to are you trying to are you trying to infuse it with enough coffee so that when you when you when you pop that bottle fresh, that's the desired amount? Because I know coffee, like like most adjuncts, will start to drop off after a period of time. So, are are you looking at hey, I'm I'm I want to be able to pop this on day one? and get the the desired amount of coffee flavor in my stout versus well, I want to let this sit for a little bit. I want to sit it for, for six months, a year. I ha- kind of have the philosophy that it is fun to age stouts, but I just, I design stouts that are ready to be good to go when you get them. So yeah, I'm, I want that coffee popping and right at the level day one um yeah coffee can really fade too um uh pretty much everything any stouts that i'm adjuncting i will want it good to go from day one it is fun to see how things change over time for example we made a beer with i think it's vanilla and coconut and we kept a couple cans uh, and taste them two or three years later and it turned into this incredible creme brulee flavor <laughs> I, I almost we've been kind of joking about maybe throwing all that into a 
a barrel and letting it age that way to try and recreate that. Uh, but generally, I'm designing the beer to be drank right off the bat. Yeah, it's interesting how that trend kind of uh, went a 180. I think maybe 10 years ago, we were like, age age them, age them, age them. Yeah. And then, and then people said, "Well, if you age them, you, I mean, really designed to be to be had fresh." And I think even a lot of breweries now will even say, "You know, drink this now. Don't do not yeah. do not salar it." And so there's been kind of a 180 on that uh, on that point of view. Yeah. Oh man, I still have so many <laughs> bottles of stuff. I'm like, it's probably not good anymore, but I don't know how to like it's it's been aging so long that i'm like well i gotta save this for something special but probably gross by now yes certain uh adjuncts like coffee you really like definitely don't want to sit on they they decrease and we've i think we've got a our coffee system's pretty good but like I, i know a lot of beers that i've had that have coffee in them that aged for a little bit get this gross like green pepper flavor that i can't stand yeah and it's interesting to see how everyone's uh taste buds react to that because i hear that sometimes and then some people don't read it and you know, they're drinking from the same bottle some people get will pick up those oh, yeah. notes and other people won't 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 um so yeah, I think we we've held on to bottles for a number of years, and then as that trend switched, you just start you just start popping the bottles and see what's yeah. left. And I guess there's there's got to be some sort of chemistry um, transformation that occurs in the bottle over time. And I'm not you know yeah, obviously that's... I'm not a I'm not a chemist or anything like that by no, no means, but there's got to be some chemical transformation happening in that bottle over years. Oh, definitely. I mean everybody does their best to keep oxygen out, but there's, there's always going to be a little oxygen and oxygen pretty much degrades everything. Uh, and sometimes that ends up being a cool thing, but more than not, it's just makes it less good. <laughs> Let me see. I'm going down to my questions here as we wrap up. Uh, okay. So what's in your beer right now? What's in your fridge right now? Besides Highland What's Park in my beers. fridge right now? Yeah. Well, I have, be, on, be uh, honest. If there's a PBR in there, just t- just tell us. I I I've been during the pandemic. I just drink a lot of Coors Light. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and then I got sick of it. This sounds really weird and dorky, but it, it almost had too much flavor. So then <laughs> I've, I've I've now switched to. I've been doing Miller High Life but I've been making um, baguettes. I don't know if you've heard of those. It's Miller High Life. You drink two ounces out of it, and then you add Aperol or Campari and some lemon juice. And Never it's awesome. It. It's like a little <laughs> beer cocktail. And it, it you have to do it in the Miller High Life bottles because it turns this like awesome orangey red color <laughs> they're great oh, i don't think i had high uh, life uh, i haven't had high life in shh, i couldn't even tell you high school maybe at my my junior my senior year in high school maybe or no, MG, mgd my, was big in uh, back in the day <laughs> my parents every time they come over now they're like what is this doing in your fridge because for years <laughs> i was like don't you dare bring that near me and now it's it's come full circle and i'm uh, like yeah, i just want something real light um 
I do have some bottle logic in my fridge now because we uh we actually just brewed with them yesterday. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what, that what, was, what style? A stout, I take it? Big old stout, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're doing so I think and then we're gonna do a uh, like cocktail inspired fruited sour ale. Oh yeah, they're uh, doing the location. Yeah, yeah. Everyone seems to be doing those now, right? There theirs are some of the best I've come across. They have such a knack for and like adjuncts and just nailing flavors that it's it's incredible how they they just pinpoint everything like that um so we've never really done anything like this so we're i'm very excited to pick their brains and kind of try this thing out so we see we see a lot but, of trend we see a lot of trends going on with uh with craft beer are you guys looking at doing like a, a hop water or an na beer I, oh, absolutely. I am very currently very deep in looking into that. Um, the, the NA trend, I think, I think hop water is the, for my, at least for me, I think that's the best like NA thing. Cause I have yet to have an NA beer where I'm like, Oh, this does the same thing. It, it, it usually tastes cooked or just not fresh and it's like why i'd rather have like any cocktail or something because i feel like you can get better flavors but hop water is like its own thing and you can really get this cool hoppy bubbly expression and yeah i'm really excited about putting one of those out soon yeah, I've had I've had a couple of them, and they were surprisingly good. I, I didn't think I, I would like the idea of of a hop water, and then I was up north for San Francisco Beer Week, and I had one, and I was pleasantly surprised. The price point's a little high, and I guess the the, the cost of making it is relatively high as well. Um, but uh, I was like, I like the idea of being able to go to work with my hop water and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, <laughs> they're going to try to get me to go to HR to, uh, to, go do a, <laughs> to go talk to someone. I'm like, no, I can, I can have my hop water at work. Uh, oh yeah. It, I mean, it was surprisingly refreshing. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Selfishly. I just want to have it on tap so that I can have something like that to drink during the day and not, you know, not chugging beer 10 in the morning, but I'll definitely, <laughs> Have a pint of hop water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and again, like the, the carbonation to it, you get the the one I had was uh, had citra hops in it. Um, it, you know, it was it was a pretty good compromise of not having. If you can't have a beer, then the hop water is probably the closest thing you're going to get to it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I've had an NA beer recently, um, I, but I guess I probably should go try a couple of those and see and review them on the show to see uh, what what I think of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just anything that is a beverage. I'm curious about, and I had a bunch of friends like do try January and stuff, and so mm -hmm. they were drinking those, and I'm like, oh, bring them to me. I want to try them. I want to try anything related to beer, um, and I've just been like, this is not. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think this. It's really hard to do too, from what I've read. Uh, but it just, I don't know. I have yet to be like, oh, this, this fulfills that need of, of wanting a tasty beverage. 
yeah. but not having alcohol in it. Well, especially since you can go to, I guess another trend is probably doing, um, you know, session lighter ABV beers. So yeah. if, if you can do like a three or 4% beer, you know, which is a pretty light beer, then why I would rather do that than, uh, than an NA beer. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or I'd just rather have, you know, sparkling water or I don't know, just something that tastes good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. I guess what, what is the purpose of it? If it's serving, right. Yeah. If it, you want a refreshing drink, you can pl- find plenty of non-alcoholic, you know, uh, drinks to, to fulfill that, uh, that need. Um, so this year we decided to join the bottle friends. Um, awesome. Thank you. What, what year, what year are you in for that now? It, was this something that started from the initial from year one? I don't think it was year one. I, you know, I'm pretty positive. It's been going on before Chinatown, but I'm not too okay. sure. Eric, our ball friends manager, um, would note that detail, but it's been going on for quite a while. Yeah, and, and we've been reading about it, and we've been reading about it, and you know, you like the top ten clubs that you should join in the state, and uh, and time and time again, Highland Park's been on that list. Oh wow, um, cool. Yeah, at a at a relatively uh, cost effective price point too. I think you guys, I, I shouldn't tell you this because then you're going to raise the price up, but <laughs> it's probably it's probably one of the cheaper ones that there that there are out there. Um, so we decided to join the club. Um, I mean, I was I was there earlier this week, um, and then I guess we I was able to try the two beers that you were going to release. I think this week or next week um, for the club. Uh, luxury, right? Yeah, there was a, and then a chocolate hazelnut variant. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I was able to try those two. Um, along again, we took my kids and had some dinner there as well. Uh, what can we expect from this year's uh, Bottle Friends releases? Yeah, so Luxury and the Chocolate Hazelnut, I think, are coming out this week. Um, we, I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> we Exclusive, exclusive, next... exclusive, yes, exclusive. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the next release is um, our collab with Amalgam, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that is just a barrel aged stout, no adjuncts. And it, we uh, finalized the blend just a couple weeks ago. And it's, I'm really pumped on it. Um, like I said, Phil is like one of my, I've known him since college and uh, kind of weirdly started homebrewing at the same time. He's always been a little further ahead than I have. But um, this is like our third or fourth collab with them now, I think. Uh, which is just so awesome for me because I love that guy. Uh, and he's so smart. Like, oh my gosh. Um, so that's, I think it's called Infinite Realms. Okay. Um, and then we've, we do a series of beers every year. So there's Coconut Tree. That's our like coconut stout. Um and then infinite finite, which is just um, barrel aged stout again. But every year we take a portion of the blend and put it into a barrel. And that barrel becomes part of the blend for the next year, and then a portion of that goes into a new barrel. So it's kind of this cool, ongoing flavor thing. 
I think those are a couple that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Now you have, um, I didn't even realize this, but homage opened up, uh, down the street from you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was unaware of it. So I went and took a trip down there after I visited you guys. Any, any looking at doing a collaboration with them? Have you done a collaboration with them? We have, we actually did one last year. Okay. Um, it was really fun. So we did, we each did, uh, a collab at both spots. It's funny. We did each brewed something at the further away spots, not, at our Chinatown <laughs> spots that are literally a block apart. <laughs> so we went and helped blend in Pomona and they came and helped us brew a beer here at uh, the Herm. But we, uh, it was, we, the idea was we both have been using Masamoto fruit oh, yeah. for a long time. Great, great uh, stuff. So we did a, and, but we wanted to try to do something in a new way here. So we did a nectarine lager called connector that was really cool Uh, so yeah it was like a lager that had i think it was like 400 or 500 pounds of nectarines wow and it was this really cool it was subtle but like really i at least i thought well integrated flavor into a lager that was still crisp and drinkable uh, so homage, you just did a finished a bottle logic uh, collab. Is there a collab yeah. you guys want to do that you with someone that you haven't done with uh, a collab with yet? A great question. Um, one that we did uh, a year or two ago that was always on my bucket list was Firestone Walker with Matt Brindleson. He's mm-hmm. like a beer legend, uh, and also the nicest, humblest guy on the planet i think another one that would be great to bring it back for a circle would be russian river just because uh-huh. they're the reason i'm here <laughs> uh, but yeah we've been lucky to do lots of fun collabs uh that's a that's a fun part of it's a really fun part of uh brewing is picking other people like so with bottle logic we were just I felt like I could spend three days picking their brains on stuff that they do. It was really cool. And I know we're, we haven't scheduled it yet, but we're going to do two more collabs with them at their location uh, later this year. So that's going to be fun too. All right. Um, It looks like that's uh, about it. I'm going to make sure we monitor the time for you. Um, Thank you for joining us today. Um, I appreciate your time. I have to. I, I'll look out for that email for uh, the release of uh, of the first bottles. I, I think it's supposed to be this week, but we're on Friday, so I think, yeah, like I, I should know. But sure. <laughs> yeah, you should know. <laughs> Probably email going to come out today or tomorrow for those bottles, uh, and then we'll have to go pick some of those up and pop them on the show and 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 enjoy them. Um, yeah, love to know what you think. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Tyler. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much. This has been Bivaden. I'm Leonard, and I've been here with Tyler Thurman from Highland Park Brewery. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Cheers.